Today's episode is brought to you by Ozark Christian College. How do you know if the Master of Arts in Biblical Ministry at Ozark Christian College is right for you? The MA in Biblical Ministry was created to build a solid biblical foundation, helping you dive deep into the text and offering effective ministry strategies to prepare you for whatever calling God has on your life. This degree is affordable and highly flexible. You'll experience a transformational education community unhindered by distance. So what's your next step? Well, it's simple. Learn more and apply for free at occ.edu masters. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Disciple Makers Podcast. This is your host, Dave Stovall, and I'm so glad that you clicked on this episode today. This audio was pulled from a track session given by Radical Mentoring at last year's forum. Radical Mentoring is in the business of helping men and women to grow spiritually by using a mentoring process that equips men to develop authentic relationships and overcome the issues holding them back from living life to the full, and also by creating a safe and welcoming environment where women can foster authentic relationships with each other and with Jesus. This mentality really lines up with my heart and my passion and is one of the main reasons why discipleship was so attractive to me in the first place. So I hope that you will enjoy these episodes by Radical Mentoring and also that it will help you along your way of becoming a disciple maker. All right, everybody, let's dive in. This is Radical Mentoring. Here we go. Me and myself, Cameron, are going to be uh, leading this today. We found out about, about what, 24, 48 hours ago that we were doing this. So yes. we are going to be winging it a little bit, but also having a good time doing it. So uh, You're not winging it. You're doing it wrong. That's true. I think all of my type A people in here just had a full fit inside. Like, uh, what? <laughs> just kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. But give you a little bit of preview of where we want to go during this session. Again, I'll introduce myself and Alan Cameron introduce him. So really, we want to introduce ourselves a little bit and then introduce Radical Mentoring and hey, why are we doing this session in the first place? A lot of that's going to go to your book. So I'll tell you a quick intro about Radical Mentoring before we kind of dive into the session. But the typical, I'll introduce myself. Uh, typical question I, I get is, hey, what, what is your actual job and I'm like well this actually is my job I've been asked that twice today so, uh, me and Cameron actually do get to work with churches around the country churches who want to do something different want to be able to take their people on something a little bit deeper a little bit faster I'd say the two things that stand out to me of hey why do churches do something like radical mentoring they're looking to get to, to be known and needed and to me when you look at staying in a church growing in a church and really, that's in any organization. People want to be known and needed, and I feel like this is a process that does that. So, uh, so I truly am a guide at Radical Mentoring, and Cam? Um, yeah, so my name's Cam Washington. I've been on staff with Radical Mentoring for officially a year, um, but I've been in full-time vocational ministry for almost a decade in some way, shape, or form of mentoring and discipleship, uh, leadership development, things of that nature. Um, my passion is to know God to love God and to help others know God and love God. I mean, that that is as simple 
my purpose on here is I've always been curious about the Lord. I've been curious about other people. And I think when I'm in that avenue of being able, I myself get to ask those questions and other people get to ask those questions and we get to discover them together then um, and live out what that means. I'm always happy and always in my sweet spot. And part of being a guide is I get to help churches do that. I get to help mentors do that. Disciple makers do that. I get to help them clarify the vision, right? That we see in in Genesis one, what does it look like to reign and rule in your life, in your season and where you're at? What does that practically look like with your gifts, how you're wired and then make it doable, make it doable, make it practical, make it easy and and replicate it so that you can do it for the rest of your life. Right. We all have a drift towards simplicity. Well, let's just make discipleship simple. Let's just make it simple, make it doable so that you can do it every day. And then we can figure the rest of it out again. Wing it. Guys, for the record, I am a little type A. So like I'm using the wing it as like a learned skill. It's not something I do naturally. But yeah, so that's what I get to do. I get to help people live out their calling. It's awesome. Yeah. And the beautiful part about this uh Speaking of, this is brand new. Yeah, we just came up with yeah, this a couple days ago, guys. It's fresh off the press. Yet? Hot yes, off the press. Exactly. We have, uh, we're kind of going through a, a, uh, a process at uh, Radical Mentoring. But one of, the, one of the things that we love about this uh, is that it is not a curriculum. It is not a program. It is. That's what really I, I was enjoying hearing and talking on the couch because it really is when we work with mentors what we can tell them is, hey, you're going to sit around the table and do life with a group of, with a group of guys or with women, with a group of women. And that really is the goal is what we'll do is we'll kind of give you the give you the guardrails, give you the format. Hey, here's kind of what it looks like. But it is really, truly doing life with others. Uh, and so as we look at it, one of the things that uh, man, I actually was in this room, I think, about four years ago. And a lot has changed in four years. So. Uh, we actually have a, it started off with uh, with a track for men. Now we have a women's track, which is called Known Collective. Uh, we obviously partnered with churches to do this, and now we also uh, have organizations doing this as well. So uh, so that we serve, we serve a little bit of everybody. Let me give you just a little bit of background on radical mentoring and uh, why we do what we do. And you'll probably hear me refer to kind of this way of life a lot. And it is a term that Reggie Campbell, who is our founder, and that's the book you have. And in fact, some of you just don't, don't, don't get out of here without me giving you a copy of the book. I've got a copy of the book for each of you. But you'll hear us talk about, hey, uh, kind of this way of life. And we love, of course, the Great Commission. But one of the things that the, the message version says, and it's slipping my mind right this second, but I believe is, hey, go teach everyone far and near how to live this way of life. And so it's something that we have really grabbed hold of. Uh, with with what we do, and so just give you a little bit of the background of radical mentoring and how it involves me is one of the things I love about our track. It talks about multiplication, and I love to be able to tell people that I'm one of the others. Uh, mm. So Reggie, uh, in his 20 years of doing this, he mentored about 160, 160 men, and uh, the only reason I stand here today because two guys who he mentored. Uh, were mentors to me, and I promise you I would not be standing here without them. And um, so yeah. it, it, this is very personal to me. So when you look and say, hey, how many people are being impacted? You have no idea. When you look at 160 men that he impacted, 
uh, a couple years ago at his funeral, he filled up North Bank Community Church, and it was being broadcasted around the country because people people couldn't get, people couldn't get in. And so when you look at, hey, what is it like? Is it because he was perfect? Was it because he was great? No, it was because he was vulnerable, because he was authentic, because he was real to a group of men, and uh, and it changed people's lives because of it. And so he just did what he could. And so really. The reason I give you, I just will give you a little background on Mitchell, like Jesus, and want to dive into the into the content. But uh, he started doing this in 2001, and really, it was a couple of reasons. He felt some angst, and he was uh, a lay leader, uh, entrepreneur in the Atlanta area, and so he had a, he had a bunch of guys who were wanting to spend time with him. So he felt really angst on two fronts. And if you've ever mm-hmm. met with a mentor, mm-hmm. you'll feel this tension. Mm-hmm. Number one, uh, he had people always wanting to sit down with him, so. Oh. There's that. Is anyone in here a full-time? Who's a full-time church person? Staff member. I couldn't figure out what the word I was looking for, but staff is the word that I was looking for. <laughs> I have two degrees, and for some reason I couldn't figure that out. All right, who's just a normal lay person? They actually have a nine-to-five, and they do other things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so the vast majority of you, church work is not your nine-to-five job. Right. Who here has ever felt that like the church still asks them to do a lot, even though they have 50 hours a week dedicated to other stuff? All right, great. So what he's about to say, all of you are going to be like, mm, thank you, Jesus. All right, go ahead, Trey. <laughs> so you feel the tension of, hey, I, I want to be able to invest in others, but man, I've got everybody in the world asking for me. And so one of his, one of his things, and in fact, there's a Tim Elmore quote that reshaped how he would do it, which was more time with fewer people equals greater kingdom impact. So what he decided to do is take the 60 one-on-ones that he was having and said, hey, how can I condense this and and, and make this more realistic? So he just said, hey, I'm going to uh, take a group of eight guys, invite them into this process. Uh, The other part that I'm sure each of us have probably felt, I have had mentors in my life and you meet with them each month, you meet with them each month, and, and it was always great, but then you look across the table and you're like, like, where are we going? Like, mm. are we doing something intentional here? Is there, mm. is there a process? And he felt that as well. He always felt like he was dealing with what we call the IOD, the issue of the day. So whether it's the job, the girlfriend, the wife, he just said, I'm not, I'm not being proactive. I'm not being intentional. I'm not taking them on an intentional process. So that was really the reason he came up with this. And it was years later. Uh, where he was challenged by a friend of his. So he started doing this in 2001. It was in about 2005, 2007. He had a good friend of his be like, hey, I have seen the men that are going through this process. You need to do something with this. Like, it's too good. There's Mm. men that are being shaped and changed. And so really he would spend the the next 10 years or so trying to figure out that process. And a couple years into this, he went downstairs in the middle of the night and it ju- he just kind of had a revelation that, hey, he's like, I- I'm not doing anything crazy. I'm not doing anything that's new. I'm yep. doing something that Jesus did. And literally within 15 minutes, he had this book outlined. And so when we look at how we do this process today, we when we look at it, it all is common sense. It's all something that we know, and it truly is doing life with others. So yep. really what, what me and Cam are just going to do is just kind of go through. I think there's 11 items highlighted. Um, and, and by the way, so I don't forget, see, shiny quarter syndrome. I have shiny quarter syndrome. I have shiny quarter syndrome. Uh, I don't let me forget. I've never to heard give of that you, before. Yes. 
S S Q S is what my wife said I have. Shock mm. syndrome. So I'll your follow, wife made it up. My wife Got made it, it up. Mm-hmm. Said I just follow whatever. Trail. Yep. So here's the trail. We have to make it. We typically have a sign in sheet, but we don't anymore. So thankfully, we have the number. Okay. Come on. Here we go. We got it. Five five. Was it four 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 four? If you will text mentoring to that number, that will allow. So here's what you don't have to do. You don't have to worry about taking notes or anything. I'll send this to you. So this will set you up to get updates from us. And uh, if you don't want to get an email from me or Cameron, don't I'll text that number. Because me and him, like will. we're about that. We're about that business. Like yes. if you're not about that business, then yes. please don't reach out to us because we will email you. We will do it. <laughs> There is an unsubscribe button, so you don't have to hear it from right. us all the time. That's right. But, but we will. we're coming for you. Exactly. All right. That's the truth. So, number one, uh, it's on purpose. Yeah. Uh, I, I'll, I'll just really quick on this. I, I'd say this is the thing that really, one of the things that really stuck out to me, because I can name three or four mentors in my life, and it is one of those questions where I'm like, hey, I love spending time with you, but I began to realize it was more about kind of relationship. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I've, I've actually seen this in mentors and um uh, that they're mentoring guys for five and six years. And, and there's nothing wrong with spending guys, time with guys for five and six years, but at some point in time, you have to be like, hey, uh, you know, a little push out of the boat. Yeah. And, and you need to go do something. So I, I one of the things I love about this process is that everything is intentional. So when you look how the process is built, uh, everything each month we do is on purpose. Uh, the timing in which we do it, the assignments, everything is done with a specific purpose, so nothing is accidental right. in this process. Yeah, so one, so we think about Jesus, right? He came down so we have life, life to the fullest. He came down with a specific mission, a specific mission. So as mentors and people who are making, or disciples, who are making disciples, who make disciples, we as disciple makers have to ask ourselves, what are we here for? What do, what do, yes, to make disciples, that is a purpose, but what is the mission and vision of what that's going to look like in your life specifically, right? With that, and it kind of goes back to what Jim and Dave were saying and what Trey was just alluding to is when you have a mission and you have a vision and you have a certain person that you're aiming for and wanting to walk with, it starts to self-select people out who are just trying to hang out with you. And are you okay with that? That's ultimately, are you okay with that? Because if we're here for the business of making disciples and, you know, it's funny, but James says like, what is your life? But a mist, like it's hilarious because the way he phrases it is like, what is your life? But seriously, we're here maybe 80 years. How much time do we want to waste with people who just want to hang out with you? I mean, yeah, there's a place for that. If I want to hang out with people, I'm going to hang out with my wife. And I'm going to hang out with my core group of friends. But if, if I'm here for the business of making disciples and it's on purpose, then I myself need to have a vision of what that looks like. And the people who are going to jump on board are going to be people who have the same vision. Because Jesus had a vision. Jesus had a mission. He came here to do a certain thing. He had his eyes on certain people um, as far as disciples are concerned. And he executed. And he lived his life that way. He lived his life on purpose, so therefore we mentor and make disciples with a purpose. Amen. Number two, it was a selfless endeavor. Uh, you know, one of the one of the best descriptions that I like of a mentor. Uh, we tell this to a lot of our mentors. 
we, we vision it as you pouring your cup into someone else's. Or if you're sitting around the table with, with four others, six others, eight others, it's truly you pulling, pouring your cup in, into them. And, uh, you know, it, it, in fact, we host a, kind of an annual event called our Mentor Summit. And mentors are like, hey, what, what is the purpose of this? I was like, our purpose is we want to pour back into your cup. Mm-hmm. You spend all year pouring in Track and calls. investing in others. And so yeah. it, it is many times to say it, it's our gift back to you uh, and so it, it's whether it's those moments or anything else but we know that as a mentor you're not going into this for for something of your own you're not going in mm-hmm. this to achieve something but but truly for somebody else yeah and and in that we look at the gospel and we look at that bleeding out that pouring out painful mentorship and discipleship there's a level of endurance that's required um, a lot of times it can be a thankless endeavor um, on this side, but right, Jesus warns us against trying to achieve our prizes on this side of heaven because we've already achieved our reward, right? We want to see those rewards and, and invest in things that matter. And when Jesus says to follow him, we must sacrifice. Well, in order to be selfless, what are you willing to sacrifice in order for this to be a selfless endeavor and, and lead like Jesus did? Number three, it started in a group context. Uh, this is one that's really interesting uh, that Reggie would see over the first few years of him, him doing this. Uh, he, he started with eight, and there was nothing mathematic. He actually had eight chairs around his dining room table and said, okay, there it is. It's eight. We've kind of found most groups are kind of between that four to eight size. Six and, is a sweet spot. Uh, six is a sweet spot, I will say. Uh, and what's, what's really unique about it, he began to see the same thing that you actually see uh, through the Bible, which is there's always a couple of guys that kind of gravitate towards the mentor, want to spend more time with the mentor. You'll find there's, there's guys who are naturally going to spend yep. time with each other, and, and those are all great. Uh, but it is one of the things that, one thing that does make it unique is that usually you see it in the first couple of months. I know in my groups I have it. The guys are always kind of looking at the mentor. Their eyes are always on the mentor. You get to months four, months five, months six, and then the eyes begin to look at everywhere else. Mm-hmm. And there's as much mentoring going on with the other with the other guys in the group yep. than there is is even with with a mentor. And uh, and even from Reggie's perspective, I remember he would tell me he's like, I said, well, what still surprises you today with doing this? And he said, the amount I learned from. From my mentees, yeah, and that that to me, the humility to be able to know as I'm doing life with others, man, what what I learned from the mentees, and and uh, it's not that there can't be. There's a lot of great one-on-one mentoring that happens. Yep. I agree with that, but there's something unique about exposing men and women to a unique, authentic atmosphere where everyone is as bought into that strategy as everybody else, and there's something unique happens in those groups. Yeah, um, C.S. Lewis, C.S. Lewis fans in here, he's the man. Um, C.S. Lewis talks about the fact that he was friends with J.R. Tolkien is like, <laughs> like what? So C.S. Lewis and J.R. would sit at a pub, and he tells a story, I think in his book Four Loves, where there was another friend, I guess, who wasn't a famous author, um, but they, the three of them would be together, and one of his friends died. And he said, the thing that made him sad was I would never be able to experience the gospel uniquely through him anymore. Right? So 
the beauty about it being in a group context is that I get to experience Jesus uniquely through Trey and uniquely through Kevin and uniquely through my wife and uniquely through my best friends. So the beauty of a group, yes, one-on-one is awesome because you get to have that next level of trust. I mean, even Jesus had James, John, and Peter, and Peter specifically, even though John claims, you know, the one that Jesus loved. But anyway, it's about one. Um, <laughs> um, you get to have that unique experience of grace through, through each other. Um, and I think that's really powerful because a lot of shame doesn't happen in individual contexts. It, it's not going to be released in that way too. Is when multiple people, it's like your mom just saying, Oh, I love you. It's like, you're my mom. Like I get it. But when like multiple people see something in you and call it out and love you through it, there's a level of like, Oh, this isn't just an obligatory. It's like, all of you are in here telling me something that is true, um, and that's powerful. Uh, this one, this one only one of my favorites. This one, uh, <laughs> it gets a lot of pushback. Yes. Uh, I, in fact, uh, Cam works with a church in Atlanta who they did a call for us. I remember April of 2020, and they had just launched and. Um, we had we were kind of doing a conversation. This was at the beginning of the pandemic, and we were doing a conversation. We started doing monthly conversations with our churches, being like, "Hey, let's talk. Let's talk about what's working, what's not, yeah. uh, and how to tweak." And so we we had them on because they had just they had recently launched, and so we had churches asking them questions. And so one of the questions was, you know, "Hey, I'm a f- I want to recruit some guys, but I'm afraid I might might recruit too many. How do you balance like telling people no?" And they said, you, you tell people you tell no. people no. And there was so much tension on the call. But here, here's, yeah, here's, here's the beautiful part. And, and I know there is, there, there's always a lot of tension there. But here's the difference. Is, and, I, and I tell churches this all the time. I'm like, regardless of whether you're going to include everyone or not, they need to be handpicked. Because there's something about this process that is unique. There's no doubt. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have, we're not even going to go there today, but there is a uh, in this process the bar is raised really high. Not not going to deny that. Uh, and you're, what you're asking them to do is you're typically shoulder tapping people to apply and be a part of the group. Then from there you're going to uh, handpick those. And I will tell you, when we talk with churches and mentors mm-hmm. after, I've never heard a church say. Oh man, I am sure glad I hid the covenant. I am sure glad we didn't handpick. Usually, what I hear is, "Hey, Ooh, we should have, we should have signed the <laughs> yes. covenant, or we yes. should have held them to a higher standard." Yes. Uh, because there is, and the thing is, when we get into the details, we're not going to do all that during this session. But one of the things that happens is, how do you create that authentic atmosphere? Mm-hmm. Part of that is done by following the process. When when people know. Hey, the bar is here. One of those is handpicking the mentees. That is certainly one of them. And, and there's something that when they know, when they go into the first meeting, that, hey, I've been selected to be a part of this. I know more is going to be required of me. Yeah. Um, there's a difference between being invited to a Facebook group and being invited to a wedding. But I just get a you laugh because it's true. You, you get invited to a Facebook group, it's like spam, delete. But if someone invites you to a wedding, they ask you for your address. They sometimes they handwrite. They spent money and hand wrote those invitations. You're more inclined to say yes to a wedding invitation than you are a Facebook group. 
the power of invitation is incredible when it comes to mentorship. If I go in, in front of a pastor and say, hey, we're doing discipleship. Great. David, I want you to be part of my discipleship group. Like, e- even in this example, me asking you and inviting you says, I see you, I see potential, I want you to come join me as we figure this out together. That gains more traction and more buy-in from the beginning, and Jesus did the same thing with all of his disciples. I see you, I want you, come follow me. Number five, it was for a short, defined period of time. And um, one of the things I used to chuckle at, so Reggie always did this for for 12 months. People ask him, how come it's just 12 months? He said, because I began retelling my stories after 12 months. So that that was, but but there is something, uh, there is something unique about knowing that uh, one of the things he would say to his mentees is that, hey, my calendar is yours for the next 12 months. So as much as you need me, as much as you want me, you have me. After that, I can't guarantee anything. I'm going to move on. Um, and, and so there's something about mentees knowing, hey, I've got a defined period of time. Puts a little pressure on it. And uh, one, of the other, one of the other things that it did throughout that process, it helps them know, hey, there, there's a time allotment I have, and then there's going to be something else. And yeah. so one of the... One of the things that excites us, and in fact, I remember we were, at, we were in Phoenix, Arizona, and we were with one of these guys who was mentoring these guys for like five and six years. So he's telling the story about, oh, this is what I do with my guys. And it, it just know, like, Reggie was completely comfortable with uncomfortable questions. Yes. And so he, so he, he sitting there telling them this, and he's like, well, it doesn't sound like you're mentoring to me. Sound like you just carry them along or something like that. And I just thought, oh, my goodness, we're, we're going to go there, aren't we? But, uh, but, it, but it truly is one of those things that one of the unique things and the reason that there were, the reason North Point was filled to capacity, the reason was because guys were pushed to do something else. The mm. countless number of groups that came out of those 150, 160 people, uh, that's what, you know, that's where the impact comes from. And so... One of the things that we, we do caution ahead of time, hey, this is not one of the processes that every single person in the church is going to go through. But this is the this is the, the, the one that people who want to go somewhere a little bit deeper, a little bit faster, this could be that process. Absolutely. Makes sense? Awesome. I got nothing on this one. Nothing. You clean you cleaned it out. <laughs> well, scripture was at the core, shockingly enough. Uh, with Jesus, obviously, we, <laughs> Quite we decided, literally. yes, we, we, <laughs> we, we don't write scripture, believe it or not. But uh, one of the things you will see about the process, one of the comments we get from time to time, because, uh, not again, not going to deep dive into the process in this session, but one of the things uh, that mentees do every month is memorize two scriptures via keyword. So we do, hey, why don't y'all read more scripture? Why don't you do this? And so our, our thought is, hey, we would love at the end of this, if mentees can be able, when they think about decision-making, when they think about fear, and how important is it to actually have a verse that they can pull out of there? And so, but you will also notice that throughout the process, even though there's only two scriptures they're memorizing each month, man, the books that are picked are pointing them to scripture. The homework assignment, always pointing them back to scripture. So everything we do is really at the core mm-hmm. for scripture at, at Radical Mention. Yeah, and... I want to ask a question, and if you're a super conservative, fundamental person about the Bible, please do not come find me after I ask this. <laughs> please, I'm about to ask this. Is, who in here has just gone has gone through a Bible study? For just cover to cover, gone through a Bible study that was study the Bible. 
did you change from that Bible study? Do you remember the Bible study word for word? How many of you have been walking with someone for like a friendship for three, four years plus? How now, how many stories, memories, moments can you remember from that relationship? You know what I'm saying? A lot. There is something about this that is transformative when we're both going in the same direction. Now, yes, we do believe in scripture. We believe the word is an error and is good for all things, teaching, correction, admonishment, all of that. First, second Timothy 3.16. Trust us on that. We believe that. But there are way too many groups out there who are just going through curriculum for the sake of going through curriculum. And no shame is broken. No deliverance happens. We're still addicted to pornography. We're still cheating on our wives. We're not changing our budget. We're not spending time with our children. Like there's no life change that happens. That's great that you went through the Bible study. But if Trey is in group with me and we're both love Jesus and we're both dedicated to Jesus and we're both dedicated to the word and what the word says, and he's telling me how he's working 60 hours a week and his kids are asking more time of him. And I just say like, Hey, you should probably use your time more wisely. It's like, that's great. And I quote some scripture about using your time more wisely. He doesn't care, obviously, about the scripture. But if I get in his grill because I love Trey and we've done life together for the past eight, nine months, almost a year, that is a little different than us just going through a Bible study for the sake of going through a Bible study. Make sense? So that's that's why we, we transition to scripture memory rather than just going through we're going to study Ephesians for two months. Yes, that's great. But we've been doing a lot of Bible study for a long time. And like Jim was saying earlier, look where we are now. Obviously, something has to change when you start getting in the hearts and lives of people. I think that's why the first step is so important. Yep. It's on purpose. It's on purpose. It's on purpose. When, you, when you signed up for this, you just gave me permission to enter into your life. Go ahead. Um, one of the one of the things I love seeing at the end of the mentoring so season is <laughs> cast up, and I'm like, we're flip stuff. Let's go. <laughs> we we get surveys at the end of the season, and uh, one of the things you can always tell if uh, so. There's five basic five elements to the process when we look at mentoring. So uh, one of them is reading a book. We're not going to get into all of this, but reading a book, uh, some homework scripture memorization, community, and prayer. And if one of those lags in the survey, you know what happens, which is it, if, it wasn't, if it's not important to the mentor, it's not important to the mentees. And so this is one of those that we always see, that if prayer is low on the category, then you know what? He, he just pulled out the formal prayer at the end, and that was that. And so one of the things that, that, that we continually say, and, and I know I experience in my life, the only way you really know how to pray is by seeing prayer model. And so this was, this was one of the areas that, for me, being able to, to hear and see a mentor pray an authentic prayer, uh, you know, it's one of those things that, that stuck out for me. Anybody charismatic in here? A little, a little weird? Yeah, <laughs> I like it. That's what I'm sorry about. Those are my people. Um, <laughs> I'm a... Pres- Presbyterian charismatic. I'm like a freaking unicorn. It's really weird. Um, it's great though. I love it because I'm about to say, you know, they asked Jesus, "Can you teach us how to pray?" It's like, I mean, I'm trying to think of how many times they asked them to teach them how to do something. I can't really remember off the top of my head, 
But I do remember them asking Jesus, teach us how to pray. And then when he sent them off to go perform miracles and share the gospel, they met the one man, like, how come we can get this exercise this demon? He's like, this one is only through prayer. I think a lot of us hit a lot of walls because we just don't pray. We don't ask, we don't ask therefore we don't receive. I mean, the battle of hell and heaven is fought in prayer. You know what I'm saying? So we got to pray. And we encourage our men and women that this is leadership prayer a lot. Hello, Disciple Makers Podcast listeners. I want to invite you to the 2022 National Disciple Making Forum here in Nashville, Tennessee on October 5th and 6th. Jesus had a strategy, a plan, and a roadmap for making disciples. In other words, he was highly intentional. He guided, coached, and developed his disciples into full-on disciple makers. And by living out the Great Commission, they changed the entire world. We're constantly gaining new insight about intentional discipleship as we look closely at Jesus. And if we're thoughtful and prayerful, we can apply many of those same practices today. So head on over to discipleship.org to buy your tickets for the 2022 National Disciple Making Forum. I look forward to seeing you there. Transparently model his faith. And one of the things that we will continue to say, and this is what many, many times me and Kim will get to talk with churches. And in fact, we, we consulted with a guy the other day and there's always a natural fear for a mentor. Cause like, people are looking at me like, what am I going to do? And so when you can tell someone, Hey, really, when we talk about this way of life, this way of life is just about being authentic and real and sharing your stories. Mm. And so when people can see and this, one of the things we encourage is that we encourage the mentors to meet in their homes um, for their mentees, invite them into their home. Let them see your pictures. Let them see how you talk to your wife. Let them see what's important to you. And there's something about that way of life which we, we see just works when, you know, you don't have to, you're not solving these guys' problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, what you're doing is you're presenting, this is how I have chosen to live my life. Here's the, here, here are my, we'll get into story, I think, tomorrow, but hey, these are the mistakes I've made. This is what yeah. I've learned from it. And so, again, yeah. you're not solving their problems, but you truly are living out and modeling your faith in front of yeah. them. Yeah, that, this is really, really huge. I remember um, early in, when I first became a believer, a guy that I was discipling at the time told me, he's like, if you hemorrhage, they will bleed. And the way that he, that's like such an aggressive way to put it, but what you're saying was like, if you go first, they will go first. It's so important for you to like, especially, I see this the most in my marriage because my wife and I are very different. She's a very tactical, like tactile, practical, get it done, servant minded, like, let me go do the thing. And I'm like, I love to read. I like listening to podcasts. I'm old dead guys all day. Like I am that guy. Like I'm anyway. So what ends up happening is like our differences. She thinks that I am because what's thrown out there, right? Is the person who likes to read a lot, the pastor, super human, spiritual person. And there's no room for the practical person. Who's like, I don't like reading my Bible for an hour. I like 
to serve and be hospitable and all of those things. What changed the paradigm in my marriage was, Kylie, I am still very flawed and not perfect. There are days where I skip. I don't feel like reading. I don't feel like praying. Me and God are not speaking terms. Like, I am struggling lazy and being selfish. And it was that paradigm shift where I was able to have buy-in into my marriage because I was honest with her. And the, the veil of perfection was torn. Men, specifically, I'm speaking for men specifically, this is because these two I work with, drift towards isolation and drift towards shame. Because we have no paradigm on how to deal with the shame and deal with isolation besides bootstrapping it, figuring it out, and I guess I'll deal with it later, right? Yeah. And so this is so huge. Of I am not perfect, and guess what? Jesus loves me anyway. It is massive for this to get through. I am not perfect. I might I love Jesus, but there are fires around me at times, and it's okay. You don't have to have it figured out. I cannot pin this, hit it harder with the drum. Like I can't make this any more clear how important. I don't know why it's number eight. Who made this slide? This should be number one. Like I can't tell you how important it is for us to get this transparent. I'm there's I'm unashamed of the gospel. Right? I am unashamed of the gospel because it's the power of salvation. It has saved me. Therefore, I can live in freedom. Getting hot again. Change the slide. <laughs> I, I really like this one. And the reason I like this one is because I always feel like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth. Because what I always say, and I believe this, that this is not a teaching model. It's a facilitation model. However, However, one of the things that I love about this model is that uh, one of the things that can happen is that, and, and I'll ex speak to my faults in my first year, I remember going about the first five months, I'm like, there's just something off, something missing. And I began to realize that, man, I was so agenda-driven. I just I want to get through these things, want to get through these things, and I, I was focused on my agenda and not what's going on around me. And so when I began to slow down and say, hey, when he talked about how he didn't like that part of the book, when you talk about that homework yep. assignment bothered him. That's good. My goal as a mentor in that nine months or 12 months, however long I have them, is to shine a light on something that they have no idea what's going on. So I, I remembered in the next group, first guy, the book we read was called Bo's Cafe. And it, it, will, it will mess you up. And so everyone should read it. It's exactly. good for you. Uh, and so the first guy read, he was like, "I hate this book. This book is stupid." I, I, I don't. I, and I was like, "Oh wow, this should be a light." And well, it come to find out after some digging in, it was that book was showing a mirror of him and how he was treating his wife. And it's like, oh, well, well, no wonder. And Oof. and what it allows you to do is see. Here's the thing: not every homework assignment is going to change a guy's life. Not every book. But sometime during that season, you're going to shine a light on somebody. And like my dad used to say, if you throw a rock into a pack of dogs, only one of them yelps when they got hit. And it's the same thing. There's going to be a homework assignment that's going to bother a guy. But if, if you're so busy, like I was in my first season, oh, I just want to get through this. It doesn't allow you to be able to do that. So I think being able to back off as a mentor and know Hey, uh, you know, I think me and you talked about it this week. Like, hey, what's your goal? Is your goal to go through nine months or 12 mm -hmm. months with people? Or mm -hmm. is your goal to say, I only have 12 months with this mm -hmm. eight group of mentees. I've got, I've got 
12 months to be able to crack the nut open on these and try and find out what's really hidden inside. What's going on, man? Yeah. I got 12 months to figure out what's going on. That's right. To discover who they are, to figure out what they're passionate about, what's hurting them, who hurt them, where they're going, where they want to go. How can I launch them into being whom God asked them to be? Yeah, it's so much more than going through an agenda, which makes brings me back to my whole Bible study soapbox that I dropped on, jumped on earlier. Forgive me for that. But this is the part of it is no one likes feeling like they're a project. No one likes feeling like you have an agenda for them. They always want someone just to go with them. And if I memorize every scripture, are you going to treat me different if I didn't memorize every scripture? What if I forget? What if I have a hard time reading? Like, are you going to be with me the entire year? So yes, that is the commitment I made. So we, we commit ourselves to being with them the entire time and teaching them as they teach us along the way. Speaking of. Whoop, whoop. I didn't even know that was there. Oh, there that you was, go. There you go. Testify of the spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have, oh, and this, it bothers, it bothers some people and that's okay. Uh, we have a covenant on the website and we recommend uh, every mentee and their spouse sign the covenant. Spicy, so good. Exactly. <laughs> I love it. And, uh, and and here's here's why. And and I hit this a few minutes ago, but it's trust me. If you know the spirit of all of us, we are definitely not legalists. But there's something about about looking around the table and me knowing he's been there with me every step of the way. So as I'm thinking about, do I want to bring this up? Do I truly want to bring this up? Yep. And if I know everyone is committed to the process as others, uh, then I will. And in fact, I, I, I'm not going to say the church, but I, I did it wrong on a church down in Tampa. I know who they are, and I regret to this day. They wanted to launch big. They had all oh, there like, oh, man, we want to put 36 men through this first year. We have all of these. And I was like, great. I just started fantastic let's get after it and then i began to realize after i went down there to visit them after they've been doing it for five or six months and realized that they really dragged some guys into these groups that didn't belong to these groups mm, and so and did more damage than it, that's exactly right yeah. and so some of their groups were okay some of them but it just became a small group because not all these guys were not committed to the process yeah. and guys are not going to go wild with their stories or what's going on with their life if they're not committed yeah, you can't walk in the light if you're not going to step into the light with me, right? And that covenant, the reason why we have the spouses sign it um, is because we want them to understand whether, from our from our end, we have Kristen, who sadly can be here. She's taking care of family. Um, for the women's side, for the men's side, we have their spouse so their wives know where they're going, knows what they're doing, knows what they're saying, knows like they are on board because they're gone for three hours a night of the, of the month. Um. But the amount of times we have, we hear stories like at Summit or on tribe calls, <laughs> they're like, which Thursday is it? Oh, is the third Thursday? Leave. Like, just go, like, they're wanting their husbands to go to group because when they come home, they're a better husband, they're a better father, they're a better employee because there's, a, there's an outlet for the, for what's going on in their lives and they're able to experience some healing, you know? Yeah. And in fact, it was funny during, uh, the start of that last session of, Got a guy who he just launched his. He came out to see me in the hallway, and they just launched in this first season. And he really was having a hard time getting mentees that first season. And he was telling me he's already got a waiting list for this next season because of the word of mouth, whether it's wives or whether it's friends, of them being able to hear about what, what is going on. Fun fact, groups. wives talk. 
<laughs> and they're great promotion material. And we're good at it. Yeah, they're they're gonna just like they'll they hear Jimmy going through and Jimmy's having transformation, just loving his kids, and then all of a sudden you see him just go. Yeah. Talk to Jimmy. You, you know what I'm saying? I was uh, like, all right. <laughs> and uh, the last one we're gonna hit on is multiplication. And one of the things that I encourage churches early on we both do is hey take this really slow this is not a microwave process uh, we usually just say hey, start with one group and uh, and just go from there and but one of the things that excites me the most about this though and in fact I've got a church out in Texas who he feels like he emails me every week with stories of what his guys are doing and I got another one this morning and without even one of the things we challenge the challenge the mentees at the end is to develop a personal ministry well, how many people develop a personal ministry? Very right. Few. And so, but it does require them, hey, you need to figure out what's next for you. It doesn't mean you're going to go lead a mentoring group, but it does mean you need to pay it forward in some mm -hmm. way, shape, form, or fashion. And so it's really, and it's interesting. Uh, so this guy I was talking to out in Texas, they hadn't even got to the end yet. He's got a couple guys who started podcasts. He's got guys who are writing devotional. He's just like, what is going on? But one of the things we do encourage at the end, this is part of that process of, hey, you need to make sure you pay it forward. That, we, we love that language because, uh, you know, it's the, it's the method we, we use to fund ourselves. It's the method, method we see churches uh, having an impact with this is that pay it forward model. Absolutely. And it's just, again, you're on a timeline. I use that loosely, but you have a year. Where are we going after the year is over? What are you going to go do? How are you going to be activated? What transformed you? What changed? Is that better husband, better spouse, better father, better mother, better business? Whatever that is, whatever God put in you, let's go do it. Let's go do it. Yep. Boom. There we go. There it is. There's the number. Again. It'll ask you several questions. All you have to do is answer the questions. And if you don't want us to bother you, do not text that number. <laughs> I mean that. I don't know how much time we have. We have 15 more minutes or something? Is that right? 18 minutes. 18 minutes? And we're going to end on time because that is part of what we do. We start yeah, on time. We, we start on time. time. You, if you don't show up to group on time. time, God forbid you show up with coffee. That's Ooh. true. This is true. <laughs> true story. It happened once. Yes. Yes, it did. Uh, we're here for questions. Anything that's more clarity on? Any stories that we're confident and able to tell without, you know, so I have a couple. I'm assuming have to repeat the question. Same gender, you would have men mentoring women or mentoring men, mentoring women. Um, do you do it? How often are you meeting? You talk about monthly. And the final question is: um, Do you do it virtually in any way, or is it always face to face? All right. Let me make sure I got all the questions. Damn, don't let me. <laughs> going to say it. First of all, mind. is it uh, same gender? Same gender. That's one question. Another question was how, how often, often how often are we meeting? And virtually or not. And is it virtually or not? You want to take Yeah, one so of those? um the simple one to your first one, yes, it's so we have meet male with males, females with females. Um the biz, the RM for business, because it's in the business world, that is um again, my brain doesn't find words. They're together. I was trying to find something else, couldn't figure it out. And then we meet once a month for three hours a month. The reason why, the reason why we do that is because if anyone in here is a high capacity leader or has mentored people before, you end up bouncing from place to place, trying to figure out all this time. 
And kind of going back to that original point of more time with less people has a greater imprint on their lives. So three hours a night, you're able to hear six people really talk about their lives and have a conversation. And that over the course of a year is very, very effective. One of the things that happens is that this is what we've seen. This is not automatic across the board, but when you're asking high capacity leaders who are going to be mentors, the more you ask of their time, the less of them you typically get. Mm -hmm. So if you ask a high capacity leader in the church, hey, I, I need you every week to do this, you're, you're probably not mm -hmm. going to get them. But if you can say, hey, can you lead this once a month? The answer is probably yes. On the virtual question, that's a great question. And what we saw yeah, over the last couple of years was this, that for many churches who have done this year in and year out, they were like, this is awful. For churches that had not, they were like, hey, this is fantastic. They didn't yeah. know any better. I, I would say this, uh, and we'll get, we'll get into the nuts and bolts in the last one tomorrow, but... Having said that, I think you can pull off some meetings virtual. Mm -hmm. We have a couple, though, that I would say are a no-go. Anytime you're doing the stories, like a, we have a story retreat, I, I would not. I would push until you can do that in person. Yeah. The same thing for the very last one, which is more for our commencement. Yeah. I, I would never do for those. Sure. And in fact, we even saw some churches extend their season by a couple of months until they could do it all, could do it all together. It really helped with, with covid just because everyone was in different spaces as far as comfort and having the option to do like a Zoom group was great. I mean, like you said, those who didn't know any better, they thought it was awesome. Yeah. But the groups that have been doing it for years, they're like, this is, this is terrible. <laughs> like, I want to yeah. see, I want to touch your face mm -hmm. and see you because mm -hmm. brotherly affection, real thing. Yeah. <laughs> they were all about that. How have you seen the impact of like relationships within the group kind of impacted while they're going through the program with like the confidential nature of some of the things that are shared, different things like that. Like, well, how do you see that playing out in kind of real life context? You want, you want to go first or you want me to go first? You can go first. You can go first. Can you say it one more time? I'm trying, I'm, I'll try to be succinct too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, how do you see real world relationships outside of the context of the confidential mentoring group? So like the like the spouse or business relationships. Actually, or? me and you in a mentoring group together. Uh -huh. How are we interacting outside of that? Gotcha. Okay, uh, I'll give you the logistics. You want to yeah. the question? So the question is, how has confidentiality changed or and affected, affected the group dynamic okay. Okay. between mentor and mentees? One one of the things that one reason they signed the covenant is mm -hmm. to know, hey. Uh, everything that's said in the group is going to stay in the group. Mm -hmm. There is a provision in there for legality. Mm -hmm. There is a provision in there for legality. Yes. So there you go. <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, however, so it, it is in, and the other thing is, here's the, here's the first thing we noticed, yeah. is that the mentor has to go first. Yeah. And so in the very first time that you meet, the mentor actually shares his story. And we always say, you're going to set the watermark. So like with whatever... Uh, vulnerability. Yep. You share. They're they're going to follow the next yep. month, and so it's really up to you. Right. Uh, and so that's that really sets the tone, and that's where we have seen uh, us. For us, it's the importance of being able to go first and, and set the tone because it it really will for the next month. 
and, and it's going to it's going to lead everywhere the next mm -hmm. few months. And so one of the things you also do outside the group is I, if I have six men mentees in my group, I'm going to pair them up individually also on a monthly basis. Not, not rotate them. So I'm going to have one, guy one and guy six meet. So I want to give them the ability to engage outside the group. So there's all kinds of different ways to do that. We always say kind of that first month is, hey, you're doing this homework assignment together or on your own at when you guys meet, y'all need to talk about that. Or one creative one that I love that one of our former board members does, he makes when the guys get together, you know, obviously the first 30 minutes of the meeting, you're talking about, hey, how, how's it going? How's your wife? How's, how's your kids? But he makes a provision. He's like, you don't answer. The guy who you met with this month, he has to answer. So it really that's does prevent awesome. you from staying surface level. So that that's the goal is to really help you <laughs> grow deeper. And, and you're going to see that in the mentoring that happens. It's, and that's in fact, incredible. one of the cool wow. stories that, is if a guy shows up late and you call him out for it, guess what? It's not the, the mentor mentees. the next time that has to do it. The mentees. The mentees do it. Yeah. It's great. It's so awesome. How do you guys... Uh, Develop leaders within your. Oh, I'm sorry. No, you're fine. You're fine. How, you got. It. How is the mentoring um, process that you guys um, sell? Is it the content that you're selling? What, what is that that we're taking people through? So quickly, we don't sell anything. We sell nothing. We give it all we're away for free. Yeah. So what is, what is the is it a, the 12 month curriculum? Yeah, yeah for sure. During the curriculum time, like, what? How are y'all developing other? Like putting on more responsibility for the people in the grade, like within each month. Right. Um, what are some examples of ways that uh, that, right. that is being people are getting more responsibility? Yeah. So the question is, how are we um, progressively building the leadership of guys in the group, and not just the mentor doing all the work? Yes, yeah. So every month, there's always going to be assignments, and every month, there's always going to be a book to read. Um, every month, there's always going to be scripture. Um, it is not the mentor's responsibility to A, print it all out, B, to get it done, C, to check up on them and make sure it gets it done and make sure they get the book. Like his job is, to, we always tell them that he is a facilitator. He is a facilitator. For some reason, like I'm guilty of this too. You give guys a low bar, they're like, yes, let me just walk right over that low bar and just not do anything. I don't know what it is. But if you give them a high bar and you really hold them to it, eventually, a key word there, eventually, they will raise up to the occasion. So, yeah, the first month, we're, like, figuring it out. Here's what you're going to do. But by month three, if you haven't figured out your rhythm of how you're going to do this, there's that co that we come back to the covenant. The covenant, honestly, is the pivot point in relationship of understanding that, like, you are – in covenant, not only with the mentor, but with the other guys in the group. That's why we made that joke. It is a joke, but it's also serious. When the when a mentee is late, the mentor isn't saying anything. The mentees are saying something. So we hand relational responsibility to them. It's like you're holding each other accountable. We hold um, practical responsibility to them. You're, get, you're getting your own book. You're figuring out the way that you're going to listen to it, read it, um, kindle it. Um, you're responsible for printing out your materials or downloading your materials and bringing them to group. This is on you signed a covenant saying that you are going to be part of this. If you're not going to be part of it, 
we have to have that conversation. I'm using you as an example, but uh, we have to have that conversation. And if it's, and this is, this is my caveat to this because churches ask me this all the time. So whatever guy doesn't have buy-in, there's two, usually two lanes that this happens. One is a logistics issue. Sometimes guys sign up and, the, and their status of life just quickly changes, whether that be a promotion, whether that be a job change, whether that be, um, it's not really quickly, it's a newborn, so you knew it was coming, but you signed up anyway. Um, yeah, shock, you know what I'm saying? Um, things like that happen, and there's a logistics thing. Here's why the transparency and vulnerability is important. If you don't tell me, I can't help you. If you don't tell me, hey, this is going on in my life, this is why I'm struggling getting this done, and I'm not growing. What I usually would, would do is like, you are growing because you told me. Thank you for telling me. Then I bring it to the group, to that relational responsibility, and we help him figure out how, can we change group to Tuesday night? We all vote on it, mm. right? Relational responsibility. We have to grow in covenant with one another. The other way that goes, he just doesn't want to do it. That's a completely different conversation. That is more of a disciplinary conversation. I don't know how people feel about discipline. Discipline's important. Or it's like, why aren't you doing it? It's like, I'm just, I'm just like, now we have to have a different conversation and let him know the consequences of his decisions, right? Henry Cloud is great about this when it comes to boundaries. Like mentors and mentees have to have a, a boundary that is a fence where there's, we're seeing one another. But at the same time, there's a clear line of what I'm responsible for and what you are responsible for. And the clarity that the mentor can give the mentee on what they are responsible for, the more growth that they will see over the course of that year. Again, if you're just trying to walk a bunch of dudes or like for six months, like, hey, how you doing? Maybe drink some beer. Maybe just hang out. It's like, y'all can go do that on Saturday night when George is, you know, playing Tennessee and we win, whatever. But um, go dogs. Um, no, but that's beside the, the point. Yes, ma'am. I'm sorry. Is that, first, does that answer your question? Did I answer your question? No. no? Then I want to answer. I want to answer your question. I'm trying to figure out how do we give people in our church increased responsibility? Because responsibility is good. Mm-hmm. So how does this help men be more responsible yeah. towards the church? Right. Do you want to try and get a crack at it? Yeah, I think I, I'm understanding yeah, this question. Yeah, I would say it's, that's one of those things we look, we look at the end. I'll give you an example. So we have a church planter up in the Boston area, and he uses this to plant churches. This is step number one. He has like a two-and-a-half-year process, and he's like, hey, in order to develop leaders, I want them to start here. And then he, he has a further process. So we always look and say, sometimes it depends on our church we want to use it. We have other ones that are like, hey, if we're going to train small group leaders, this is how we train small group leaders. And so for us, this is where that at the end, they develop that personal ministry plan is what we call it. And it's kind of saying, hey, this is how I feel like I can be used. So we always feel like it's a combination of when this works really well together, mm-hmm. the church, the mentor, and the mentee are all on the same page. Because the church typically says, hey, we have seen you as someone we would like to invest in. So we right. want you to invite you into a relationship with our mentor over the next nine to 12 months. So because of that, uh, you know, and you, you'll see a lot of church staff go up to their mentors and be like, hey, who, who's in your group? Because we need desperate help over here. We need, right. I, I'd love to know 
who you're developing as leaders. And that many times we see that in churches. So whether they're small group leaders, whether they're stepping up and leading in this area, yeah. that's typically what's happening on the back end. Now, you know, for some, it's just, hey, I need to go home and be a good husband, and that's great. But for others, it's finding a place to step up in the church. Does that make sense? Does that help? Or? I mean, a little bit more, yeah. yeah okay, so it's, probably more of a discussion. Yeah, it's, a, it's kind of like what do you need as far as what responsibilities need to be filled? Is it elders? Is it church planners? And then you devise, there's a customization to our plan to where you can figure out what responsibilities, um, the way I look at it is like, I also, I'm a, uh, I train athletes, I'm a CrossFit coach. If there's a goal, a weight that they want to hit, then we progressively put weight on their shoulders to get to that weight. If there's a responsibility you want filled in your church, you can use radical mentoring to slowly bring responsibility to their plate so they're able to handle the responsibility you're trying to launch them into. That's what I was trying to say earlier, but I used a lot of words. I'm really sorry. And we can we can talk. I, yeah. I would say it'd be a good, a good time to connect. Yes. So what do you look for in the person that choose? Oh yeah! What do you look for, you look for? in a mentee? That is awesome. A mentee or a mentor? A mentee. A mentee. Go ahead, Trey. <laughs> he took a deep breath, puffed his chest out. He's like, um, "Yeah." I'd say a lot of things. I usually default to one, uh, and that is that's probably hunger more than anything. There's a long list. I can have. They need to be teachable. All that really, stuff. All of that. And, and we even have churches like, oh, I like to have this demographic. I'm like, yeah, demographics are great, but you know what's better? Someone who's hungry. Yep. And I actually, I, I told him ahead of time, I had a guy in my first group who was five years older than me. I'm like, like I mean, seriously? He's like, I, I just I want to grow. I'm like, okay, great. As long as you know you're ahead of me in life, so it's going to feel a little bit yep. awkward. My stories are not going to be the same as yours. But I would say that's always first and foremost because um, we, we know that there's mentors who are also old souls that are a little bit younger and they have the mm-hmm. ability to do that. Because here's the thing, if you have someone who's hungry, then they're willing to to listen to those conversations, they're willing to have those tough conversations, yep. they're willing to accept feedback because in the covenant it says, Hey, you're gonna you're gonna listen and take feedback from us, the group. And so being able to have someone who's hungry, a lot of times they can handle Everything else. Two minutes. Two minutes? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I was just going to ask because you talked about the one year process mm-hmm. and Jesus, and for example, three years mm-hmm. apostles. And I, up front, I have to say, I don't know that this was your program, but it sounds very, very similar to this program. And what I saw was while the, the guys were in the program, the growth was exponential in a lot of them. Yeah. After that year was over, though. Yeah. Some of it was maintained by some of it, but some of them, but there was definitely a fall off because that accountability was gone, mm-hmm. that mentoring was gone. Um, of course, other things happened too. But yeah. what is there beyond that one year mark that you do to encourage the mentoring to continue in some way or the, the accountability? So the, the pay it forward piece is this is why it's crucial, is because in that pay it forward piece, you're stepping into instant accountability as a mentor. And you're, you're saying, I'm going to lead others. But with that, there is a responsibility to live above approach. So that part is really is really crucial. And to be completely honest, I'm the newest here. So this is that, to me, that is the most important part. It's like, you can't just take it and then just stop. 
like you have, we have to continue to grow. I think you would have more to say to that as far as how are we helping them after the fact. Yeah, and, and part of just going to be natural. So like Reggie, who mentored the 150, 160, probably only 30 to 40% of his guys ever led a group, you know, right. which, which, which bothered him. But yeah. at the same point, he also knew, uh, and I'll just give you an example, Kevin Harris, who is our president, it took him 12 years to get to the point to lead a group. And so th that's where I would look and say, gifted by God to be able to do that. Yep. So that's mm -hmm. fine, mm -hmm. but what if, kind of addressing his point to a point, but not just the ministry part, the mm -hmm. marriage part, the children part, mm -hmm. as an ongoing changing yeah. target yeah. Um, in every marriage or children mm -hmm. or older. So the issues they address in those first 12 months in those books may change two years down the road yeah. and they may still be struggling. But at that point, who do they turn to? Who is holding them accountable? Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, and that's why the church's involvement, the church's involvement is so crucial. And that's the part that a lot of times you run into is that the reason why there's guys making mentor groups is because sometimes the church is not involved and they're like, we don't, that's great. You can go do it. So a lot of times there is some guys who are just doing it themselves and that church is meant to hold them accountable, hold the men, hold the women, hold the people of that congregation accountable. Um, and that's honestly a, a place that we're growing in is like, how can we help them after they're done in a mentor group. That's something that we're talking about of innovating and trying to figure out how can we be more effective in that. So thank you all. We really appreciate y'all coming by. Thank you so much. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. I just want to remind you before I sign off here to mark your calendars for October 5th and 6th for this year's National Disciple Making Forum. You can buy tickets at discipleship.org. And I want to encourage you to come back for the next episode as we continue to hear more from Radical Mentoring. All right, everybody. Have a great day. <laughs>